My name is Ray Park, you may know me as playing Darth Maul the Phantom Menace, Bone Wars, and also Solo at Star Wars Story. You're listening to Star Wars Stuff Podcast, the force is strong with you all. And remember, sit walk. Hey, this is Dominic Pace, who plays Gecko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian, letting you all know you are listening to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. Wishing everybody all the best, and may the force be with you. May the force be with you! Hey guys, welcome to Star Wars Stuff Podcast, it's Retro Ray. We are here with Zach, and we have a special guest as well, and Zach is going to introduce them as well. Yeah, absolutely. But before we get to that, we're going to thank our uh, comic book sponsors who help us out and provide comics for some of the coverage that is coming up uh, that Ray and I will be covering uh, with Mace Windu and Django Fett and Thrawn and High Republic. Lots coming that way. So huge shout out to uh, Lang's Comics and Collectibles out in Muskegon, Michigan. And then kind of, we're also going to do a sponsor for that gives us the same thing our comics here it's basically dragon's lair alamo ranch in san antonio big shout out to them we wouldn't be able to do any of this stuff without the sponsors and our patreons which we're going to get to next yeah absolutely so um let's see here it's coming up can't i gotta remember all these names off off the top of my head here ray we should probably have that down at this point yeah exactly uh, but, but that's what I think I, I can't pronounce a lot of the names that are on here. No, it's okay. It's okay if we get the list going. Well, you can find us on Patreon at Star Wars Stuff Podcast 2187. In case you forget the last four digits, it's Princess Leia's cell number on the Death Star or Finn Stormtrooper number. So uh, we have Hayden Hauser, Darth Ace One, Liam McCallion, Chris Simpson, Kevin Leiniger, Devin McCaffrey, Drew Peters, Zach Netzel, Fenrir 526, Maya Morris, and Makatal Tala. Thank you so much to all our patron supporters. We could not do any of this without you guys. And um, we are uh, excited to jump into this special episode today. And I'll I'll bring in our guest for him to introduce himself and what he's all about. How are welcome, you guys? Welcome. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, my, my name is Tom Spina. I operate uh, Tom Spina Designs and Regal Robot. Uh, Tom Spina Designs is a company where we've been going for almost two decades doing restoration of original movie props. Uh, creating things like uh, uh, props and creatures for some of the uh, Star Wars content out there, working on things for Star Wars land and uh, uh, theme parks and collectors everywhere. Everything from you know bronze statues and wax figures all the way through restoring the most priceless artifacts you, you ever found that were uh, used in films. And then uh, Regal Robot is our second business where we have the license with uh, Lucasfilm and Disney to do officially licensed replicas from Indiana Jones and Star Wars, as well as some like really weird and wild decor type stuff, which is just, you know, sort of things we do for fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's the shortest possible version of a very long story. So <laughs> thanks for having awesome. me. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for being on time. We appreciate you taking time out of your, uh, your busy day, your busy life to to chat it up with some people who love Star Wars, hopefully just as much as you do. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Since I was, since I was, well, bigger than that, I don't know about it. <laughs> However big I was in 77, it was uh, about, about five. So maybe about, about yay big, I guess. Awesome. Um, so yeah, what uh, got you into with me immediately. Yeah. Well, sorry, guys. No, sorry. So what got you into doing the restoration start of it for you? Ooh, um, I, you know, that grew out of collecting and making, you know, for me, I was, I was somebody that, um, even as a kid loved making things as much as I did owning things. And I mean, I had the collector bug full on, you know, Kenner came out with star Wars toys and I wanted every single one of these things, you know, that was, yeah. um, you know, and then 
uh, Marvel Comics started coming out. I was like, okay, I've got to get as many of these as I possibly can. Uh, and, uh, you know, so, but in, in collecting stuff, nobody ever seemed to make the stuff I wanted to collect. So, uh, you know, or also sometimes when you're a kid, you don't have the money to buy the things that you want to buy, even yeah. if they do exist. So I just started making stuff to have it because I, I loved it. And, and also because, you know, we were all uh, film nuts and things like that growing up. And we all wanted to make little movies in the backyard and in the basement. And, you know, so like everything was an excuse to make props. It was always like, oh, we're going to do a puppet thing so we can make puppets. We're going to do this thing so we can make, you know, Ghostbusters gear. We're going to do this so we can make Star Wars stuff. Like it was all just an excuse to make things. And um Making monsters really was the thing that resonated for me, though. Uh, and uh, in making monsters, you learn how to fix monsters because you're not always good at making monsters, <laughs> at least initially. And, sure. you know, so even when I wasn't the best at making monsters, I got good at fixing monsters. And that uh, grew into a fascination with um, plussing things up and improving things. And, like, sometimes I would take a... Uh, like a licensed collectible that came out that looked pretty good. Um, but then say, well, I can make this look more like the movie. So I would get it and then I would mess with it. And people were like, what are you doing? You're going to ruin it. You know? Yeah. Um, and all of that sort of tied into this big influx in collecting original movie memorabilia that happened in the late nineties, early two thousands. And, um, you know, I was in with the right group of people that was collecting this stuff. And they saw that I had a talent for uh, for fixing things up, and um, and it turned into something that became like a real passion. And the conservative side of it, the like the conservation side of it, yeah. was something that I got very obsessive about. And and uh, you know, there's there's a way to fix stuff that's like the effects guy way to fix things, which is like, oh, okay. I have to fix this just long long enough till you know Richard Marquin says cut. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. There's the there's the other side of it, which is like, okay, I have to fix this in a way that's gonna you know do no harm to the piece, but also help make it last longer, not you know just last long enough. Mm -hmm. um, and that became this real long term thing of investigation and experimentation and learning and you know diving into what museums are doing and what museum conservators do and the materials they use and figuring out how can I morph that into something that ties into you know the the hand of the effect sculptor but the knowledge of the conservator and and marry those up in a way where you can you can take those materials but use these skills and maybe some new materials that we figured out and, and we really hit on something. And, you know, if you go to TomSpinaDesigns.com, uh, you can uh, click through the, the main galleries and there's one for sculpture, theme props, displays and restoration. And in the restoration, you'll see before and afters of stuff that um, were done either by me or, or folks on the crew, uh, in particular, uh, Patrick Louie, who's my uh, top you know, right hand man when it comes to restoration stuff. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's really fun stuff to look at the before and after and to see where this started, where it landed uh, or, or you know, sometimes see like, oh, here's something where maybe it doesn't look drastically different, but now it's conserved and now it's going to last a lot longer. And, and you know, the the sometimes having having that light touch is uh, a really unique experience. Anyway, that's 
yeah. that's how that kind of came about. Man, that's incredible. And it's super cool to hear you talk about how you got into collecting uh, like more props or movie memorabilia in like the late 90s, early 2000s, if I'm not mistaken. Do yeah. you have any uh, Star Wars props in your collection that were used for the actual films? Uh, yeah, I've, I've got some. I was, If uh, I may ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's funny. I, I'm always cautious. Cause, like, I don't want to be like, you know, this big braggy, like, oh, look what I yeah. got kind of guy. But it's also like amazing to share this stuff. You know, it's like the whole yeah. reason that I think, uh, you know, it's like people collect because they want things, but they collect to connect. You know, it's mm -hmm. like we collect as, as a group. We collect as friends. We collect as family. And, you know, there are people that became lifelong friends of mine that I met in the late 90s on, on the Replica Prop Forum uh, that we all only would have, like, there's no reason for any of us to ever become friends other than the fact that we were obsessed with collecting the same stuff. And it turned out that was enough, you know. Um, and it, it's really, really cool that way. So, yeah, um, you know, share a little bit. I, I, I'm very, very lucky in that I started collecting screen use stuff um, when a lot of people were still really focused on replicas. And yeah. I I got into the screen use stuff before it was unobtainable money-wise. If wow. I had to collect now, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Now, I'd have, you know, maybe two pieces in my whole collection. Yeah. Um, but for me, the big thing, you know, ever since, like, literally the first time I looked at the Star Wars storybook and flipped through to the page where the cantina was, mm -hmm. um, the die was cast on my life. Like, everything that came after like, and I still have the book. I'm pointing like you guys know where it is. It's in the cabinet <laughs> over there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I still have that book. And it's got my name scrawled in the covers on the inside like 10 times because I didn't want anybody at school taking it from me. You know, like, yeah. I want to make sure they knew this was mine. Um, and that, like, it genuinely, like, this is it. I saw it and I told my parents, like, I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to do. Like you can't go to space. And I'm like, no, not that. Like I'm gonna make <laughs> like someone made this, and that's me. I'm gonna do that. Yeah. Um, so uh, for me, you know, some of my favorite pieces that I've got that are screen used are uh, screen used things from the cantina scene. Very um, cool. I'm lucky enough that I've, I've gotten to know a lot of the folks that worked on the movies, um, and and um, you know, so th through those kind of relationships and. And through places like Prop Store, which is, you know, obviously one of the most amazing and trustworthy places out there for folks who are looking for original material. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I've got um, a, a handful of the original masks that were in the movie that um, are really just some of the most special things in the world to me. Uh, they, they bring a lot of emotional value and a lot of meaning to them. And wow. uh, it's just, yeah, it amazes me every time I look. I'm like, how, why is that here? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. That's extremely cool. So one question I had to ask was, is there like a class in college that you can take to get to do what you do? I mean, yeah. is there like a specific thing that you have to Ooh. take to get in that category or is there yeah. even a degree for this? It's a great question. I mean, you know, there are, there are degrees and there's, there are schools that do things in, in, you know, uh, preservation arts and things like that for people who want to go into, you know, more museum preservation. And a lot of that's focused on, you know, hard surface statues or uh, paper goods, uh, you know, yeah. and, and canvas and things like that. And, then, and obviously some textile stuff. Um, when it comes to repairing uh, slip latex, foam latex, polyurethane foam, the various urethanes and things that they use in movies, um, there's really not. Uh, it's, it's a lot of it is stuff that we had to kind of develop as we went. And, um, you know, it's, it's actually kind of fascinating to me that um, it, I, I guess a lot of it comes down to, you know, there's a small amount of this material in general compared to textiles and paper and all of that other stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's starting to pick up and have this enormous value to it. And, you know, archives are, are popping up that where, you know, maybe uh, movie studios just had this stuff in a warehouse and now they're realizing, oh, wait, that warehouse is millions of dollars worth of props. Maybe we should care about this. Um, mm -hmm. And really, over the last couple of decades, they've started to do that more. And we've we've been really lucky. We've gotten to work with um, the Henson Archives on on a bunch really? of material there. Um, a lot of the stuff that we did there went. There was a touring exhibit they did, and then a permanent exhibit in New York. Uh, if you ever happen to get to New York and you like uh, movies and TV and stuff, there's a place called the Museum of the Moving Image that okay. is really really great. It's in uh, Queens, New York, and they've got this unbelievably great uh, Muppet exhibit that really? Henson family donated, I think like 400 items to them. And we got to help conserve a bunch of that. And wow. uh, shortly after that, we then did a project with the Lucasfilm archives up at Skywalker ranch and, you know, oh. conserved a whole bunch of material there. And, you know, it's, you sit there and you go like, okay, you know, here's little five-year-old Tom reading this cantina book and going, I want to, I want to see this stuff. I want to make this stuff. I want to do this. And then, you know, to be able to be surrounded by the real stuff and to be helping keep the real stuff around for future generations to maybe have that same yeah. little spark of inspiration. Like, oh man, that's, that's freaking cool. Wow. How far uh, is that uh, museum in Queens from the LaGuardia airport out there? Uh, not far at all, actually from LaGuardia. It's maybe like 15, 20 minutes. No uh, way. So yeah. I was actually out there. My boss and I went on a trip to Alabama and we had a layover back to Michigan. Uh, yeah. and we got stuck in Queens overnight and we uh -huh. stayed like just outside of LaGuardia. Man, if I knew that, I would have like walked over there. Oh, man. That's crazy. Yeah. I'll well, get back hey, out there eventually, but next. Yeah. Next time you're in. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's a question. <laughs> yeah. That is, that's a question we are definitely all wanting to ask. So okay. we might as well so, start ripping with this this question here. Um, I, uh, Again, I, I will probably call myself lucky like a hundred times as we talk. Um, I, I, I do feel very lucky to, to know Phil. Um, we actually just put up today on the Regal Robot YouTube page a conversation that I had with Phil 
about the uh, Wampa puppet that he did for Empire. So if anybody's curious about that, um, Phil uh, is intimidating <laughs> in a way that I think some of the other guys aren't. Um, but I will say this, Phil is also very funny. Uh, and, um, you know, in, in certain situations, he has a very serious air and I feel lucky that I get to know him in other situations where he doesn't. And, you know, there's, there's a, a really fun side of him and he has been, um, so generous with us in building up this archive collection we've been doing with Regal Robot and working with us on previous editions and, um, and, and, you know, be putting up with a lot of questions from me. You know, I, I, I go back to when we were restoring stuff for the Lucasfilm archives. I, um, I was at Phil's studio for something and we were going to lunch and, and it was a short walk away. So we all walked together. It was like 10 of us that all went to lunch at the same time. And I'm on the way to lunch. I'm like, okay, we had the original Max Rebo costume to, to conserve. And it's, it's literally the only one that I'm allowed to talk about from that whole project. And it oh, kills me because the other stuff was fucking amazing. Part of my life. <laughs> uh, but the, so I, and I knew he made that and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go, you know, and this is now 10 years ago. I'm realizing I said, uh, let me go, let me go ask Phil about this. And so I asked him, I'm like, you know, I, cause in my, it was a really tough restoration and outside looking in, it was really challenging for us to figure out that right approach. And I wanted to know more about what was inside of this thing before I really settled on how we were going to do it. And, uh, so I asked him kind of sheepishly and he kind of gives me this like, Ah, although I know it was 40 years ago, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, well, yeah. that's it. Phil Tip is never going to talk to me again. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we went to lunch and we're walking back to the studio on the way back. And I feel a hand on my shoulder and it's Phil putting his arm around me. And he goes, so the inside was a reticulated foam and I carved it up with scissors and a, a turkey carver. And then there was slip latex here and the foam latex on the head. And he went through the whole thing start to finish. Wow. And I guess he just needed to get his brain around it. And, it. and as soon as it clicked back in his brain, he came and, you know, to, was happy to share with me. And it was it was I was so glad he did. It gave me exactly what I needed to know going into this thing. Um, and uh, and yeah, so, I mean, you know, there's 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 hot fill and cold fill, I guess. But it is <laughs> it is always great. And and those are the sorts of things that he has he's been so gracious about putting up with me because mm -hmm. I will ask these really, really tiny, minuscule type questions about how something was done 40 years ago, 50, 45 years ago, almost 50 years ago sometimes. Mm. And uh, he's, he's, he's good. He, most of the time he's got an answer and there's, you know, and sometimes the answer is, I don't know, but a lot of times he's got great information. So yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. That's very cool because I, I know Ray was asking if you could, you know, go to school and get a degree for something like this. But back in the day, those guys all were kind yeah. of the first of their kind, in a sense, with doing something like that. And well, um, and they were building on stuff that was done before. Yes. Which is, you know, I mean, that's what we all do, right? We take mm -hmm. what came before and then you try and put your spin on it. And we're just lucky that they all had so much spin, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you look yeah. at, you know, that group of people 
I mean, even if you're just talking Cantina, right? You had mm -hmm. Stuart Freeborn and Nick Maley and Chris Tucker and uh, and obviously Kay Freeborn and Graham Freeborn and I'm I'm losing another name, but um, uh, but a couple other folks in the in England, all talents, all people that went on to do other amazing things, you know, even after Star Wars. And then yeah. you come to Rick Baker's crew who did all the pickup shots for the Cantina, and there mm -hmm. you have you know Rick Baker, Phil Tippett, John Berg. Doug Beswick, Lane Liska, Rob Boteen, like, wow. and who was like 17 at the time. He was like this giant kid, you know? And yeah. you, you like the amount of talent that was in that one little room. And, you know, to when what you have to kind of realize is like, okay, Rick and Rob had made a ton of rubber masks at that point. But mm -hmm. Phil and John and Doug were stop motion guys. You know, they were used to making little monsters and, and, you know, so they're sitting there learning on the job and in the process creating Hammerhead and the Duros and the Cantina Band and, you know, all this amazing stuff that wow. this great Star Wars stuff, if I can drop the name of the podcast. Yeah, you you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, this is this is incredible. But, you know, what's great is because they were stop motion guys. They forgot things like, oh, the person in this mask might need to see or might need to breathe. So oh, like right. John Berg did the uh, an alien called the Given, um, which kind of looks like a, a scream mask kind of face, like this mm. kind of skull oh, face. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's based on a, a tiny little sketch that Ralph McQuarrie did. And then John expanded that and turned it into a full thing. And, and it's a really cool sculpt. It was always one of my favorites. I don't know why. Uh, it's barely even in the movie. I don't even think it it made like the final cut. Um, but John only put a hole in the mouth. And so if you're wearing that mask, and then and the mouth has an underbite too. So even though there's a hole, the teeth and the underbite hide you from being able to see anything. So <laughs> he he said he was the one who had to wear it for the movie. And he, so he puts this thing on and it's like, okay, somebody show me where the chair is. You know, like, it's like, <laughs> like nothing. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, the, they, they learned on the job and thank goodness they did. And I, I just, the amount of creativity and the amount of ingenuity, you know, mm. you, you expand beyond that. And, you mm -hmm. know, Dennis Muir and, and Ken Ralston and John Dykstra and all the Lauren Peterson and uh, Grant McEwen in the model shop and Steve Gawley, all of these talents. Like, it's just, it's bonkers. You can't even, you know, you can't imagine that much talent in one place. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. And Tom, it's it's funny that you brought up uh, the Max Rebo costume. Oh, yeah. So for <clears throat> Excuse me. So for our listeners out there, uh, one of our co-hosts, Colin, is very, very passionate about Max Rebo. And we have oh. a, a debate that we might need some insight on. Um, so we, <laughs> we definitely go back and forth uh, mm -hmm. arguing whether Max Rebo has two arms and two legs or... I guess just his legs and his hands are one. Yeah, it seems yeah. like there's it's open to interpretation. So, so, so uh, I have I have a couple of answers on this. So for Perfect. the last Star Wars celebration, uh, they had me as a guest doing a panel on the Return of the Jedi aliens, um, yes. and uh, I was there with Jason and Gabe uh, uh, from Blast Points podcast, which is great. Sorry to mention a podcast on your channel. That's okay. They're, okay. they're outstanding guys. And we awesome. had so much fun with it. We had Kirk Thatcher there, who was a guy that worked on uh, Return of the Jedi, and also 
you know, uh, worked on tons of movies after that. And in fact, he was a, a producer on Star Trek four, the one with the whales. He plays the punk on the bus that Spock does the nerve pinch to. And he oh. even wrote the song, the punk song that's playing. Like he's super talented guy and wow. a load of fun. I mean, he but, came back. He also came back in uh, Picard as well. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. dude, that's so um, cool. So the the this was a debate we wanted to settle. <laughs> so number one, um, and and at that show we also we had released a Max Rebo maquette that was mm. Phil Tippett's original concept for Max Rebo. And if, uh, I mean, if anybody wants to go to our website, you could even find a picture of that. It's on. I think we got one here for you. Tom. Oh, okay. Ray put one up. We'll get it up here in just a second. Yeah. Let's see. So this maquette, to us, we thought told the whole story, but then it didn't. And I'll, I'll blow your mind with that in a minute. So that is that is the maquette. And if you can find another angle, maybe like a three-quarter or a side view, I don't know if you're on that, that uh, the, the product page there, but. Uh, and for anybody who is interested, that is scanned off of Phil Tippett's original maquette sculpt at Skywalker Ranch, the Lucas Memorial guys. Wow. Um, and it was part of the the kickoff for this maquette series we've been doing. We we had done a couple before, but this is when we really said, okay, you know, we're going to go through all of these at the archives and we're going to try and make as many as we can. Yeah. Uh, so uh, if, if you can pull us up another shot. The the original concept is he has one pair of limbs and okay. that's it, right? So it's just Dang. those the the Kenner figure made him you know gave him a butt and a diaper and little legs. <laughs> that was someone at Kenner you know just going yeah. and doing their own thing. And someone yep. at Lucasfilm approved it. But the original concept for that species is he is sitting on top of that organ, not in the organ. Um, really, I was actually hoping when they when they had him back in the Book of Boba Fett, yeah. I was like, oh man, today with today's tech, it would be so easy to have the actor wear a green screen suit around his waist and right, have Max right. pop up once or twice and just you know have green screen out the the bottom to the background plate so that it looks like he's sitting on top of the thing because everybody just assumes. He's inside the organ, and it's like, no, it's not supposed to be. Wow, um, that's that is. Crazy. But here's the weird thing, um, I, and if you can pull up any picture of him, just to show folks, as I say this, because this is where you have to kind of see it to not to to not yeah. unsee it. But yeah, here we, we were painting uh, the maquettes at our studio, and one of uh there you, oh this is this is perfect too so yeah you can even see like his butt is flattened out and he's yeah. like he's sitting on that right yeah so somebody was we were painting those at the studio and one of the one of the, uh, women who's painting comes to me later and says is this amount of spotting right on his flippers and i'm like his what and <laughs> she's like his flippers and i'm like no 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 he has ears, you know, like very condescending. Like those are, those are Max's ears. Right. Um, so then I, I go back into the office and I'm like, well, damn it. Now I have to ask Phil. So I ask Phil and he says, and I just said, I'm like, well, what would you call these? And I just pointed at him and he said, oh, those are his flippers. Shut the front door. So <laughs> Max Rebo has two legs that come up and over and that's what he plays the thing with. And then he's got like, like penguin flippers 
And what ended up happening is, you know, this is obviously the concept. By the time they made the costume and someone's wearing it, the legs, you know, you can't put your arm like this, right? So the legs went from going up and over to just going out to the side like someone's arms do. And mm. the flippers got higher on his head. So they look like ears on a blue elephant. Um, so, you know, the where he ended up is its own thing. But where the intention was, he he plays his piano with his feet. He does not have a lower half. He sits on top of his organ, and these are freaking flippers. Uh, wow. That's so cool. Oh, my gosh. I love learning <laughs> stuff like that, even the smallest little details. It's an, that's it's incredible. A, how, how great that, like, you know, Return of the Jedi came out, what, 41 years ago this year? Yeah. And we're still learning stuff? Like, we're still discovering yeah. things? Like, that's – what movie does that? Yeah, you don't have something like that. That's – that's not in every movie franchise. I'll tell you that for free. No, that's in, no, no. That's incredible. It was it was a little before my time when Return of the Jedi came out, but I saw it in theaters last year when it came out. Oh, nice. Uh, my wife and I went and saw it, and I man, there were there were guys probably twice my age in that theater that cheered when the Death Star blew up, and I'm like, you know what? This is Star Wars. Like it we're is? just in the theater. Yeah. You guys have seen this movie ten times, and we're all here having a good time. Yeah, yeah, ten. That's how many. Yeah, yeah right, <laughs> right. <laughs> right in the phantom menace i expect nothing different you know what i oh, mean oh man just, that's gonna be nuts it's yeah just it's gonna, gonna be a little crazy I, it, nice. it's, it's gonna be awesome it's it's great to hear that it's nice that you know i'm glad you had the opportunity to see it in the theater i know it was probably yeah. special edition which is yeah all right but yeah. uh the the you know man it's such a different thing to see it in a theater with an excited crowd you know on a yeah. uh you know it's like an event and it's for sure, you know, the shared energy that comes out of that. You just don't get that watching yeah. it at home on the TV while you're scrolling on your phone and, you know, doing stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I was telling my coworkers today. Um, so I, Tom, I'm sorry. I do this every once in a while, but I was born in the year 2000. So that was before or after the Phantom well, Menace came out. Oh, no, nope. Uh, I just, I just threw a hip. Hang on. <laughs> All right. No, I'm okay. Now you can go ahead. Okay. And I, I hear from all everyone else on the podcast who was around for the promo time for the Phantom Menace talk about how hype it was. And it's just oh, so incredible. And my coworkers today were talking about how they, they took the day off uh, when the movie <laughs> came out. Like, because they went and waited in line, went to the midnight release and all that stuff back yeah. when it was still at midnight. And yep. <laughs> um, yeah, oh my gosh, they were the hype just sounded unreal. And, it was insanity. The only thing, it's funny, I don't know. And, and, Retro Ray being retro, you might remember the oh, yeah. 1989 release. Oh, dude, that okay, mind you, we didn't have like right now, we just got the trailer drop for Deadpool. That was all right. we didn't have that. The only way you got to see yeah. the deals was in magazines, and that was right. it. Nothing and else. even then, it was like you know, the information you were getting was already two months old by the time the magazine got it, and who knows when you picked it up at the store, you know. Yeah. It, it really it's it's you know. The, the 89 Batman, I remember, was the first movie where I really, really remember that, that like hype train going and all of this energy. And then when, yeah, for Phantom Menace, oh, my God, like that was just bonkers. I yeah. still, I, I even the even the special editions, I mean, yeah, like we made a big deal with my friends of going and seeing the special editions first night, first showing, lining up, all of that stuff. And yeah. it, just seeing that first trailer where you know and i you know 
So I don't know if you've ever, uh, uh, Zach, you've ever seen the trailer for the special editions, but I, I can't say I have. If okay, so you should look it up because okay. here's what they did in a movie theater on a giant screen. They had a little television in the center of the screen, like that's the image, and the television yeah. has you know a little bit of the space battle from uh, the first uh, Star Wars, and. It's a, and the, the announcer goes like, for, for a generation, the only way to see Star Wars has been on the small screen or something along those lines. Mm. And then the, the X-Wing flies through that full screen again, and they give you a whole bunch of cuts from the movie. And wow. everybody in that movie theater jumped out of their seats. And this is like, we had no idea that was coming, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we, didn't, we didn't know we were going to get a trailer for that. Oh. We had no way. No one on the internet told us. Okay, if you go see this movie, you'll get this trailer. No, it was like mm. we're going to the movies, and then it was like, "What the?" Um, yeah, and yeah. Oh man, that was crazy. That was wow. That was a fun time. Wow, that's incredible. And I heard uh, people talking about uh, like buying movie tickets to go watch the Phantom Menace trailer and then go leave. Like yeah. there are people that go yes. on their lunch breaks oh, and go was, watch the Phantom Menace trailer and go movie. back to work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, That's I incredible. know many people who went to see the Phantom Menace trailer and then left. I, yeah. I actually stayed, but I know a lot of people. Yeah. Meet Joe Black. There you yeah. go. Thanks for the backup, Tim. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's incredible. My coworkers were talking about that trailer and like, just look up the trailer. It was insanely hype. And I watched it and I'm like, man, I could watch this whole movie on my phone that's in my pocket right now, but I'm excited to go see it in the theater. That's it's I'm weird. like, I just yeah. want that. Yeah. 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 It's, it is. It's a very different time, you know. The the I mean, hell, when when I was a kid and and trying to make this stuff, like we didn't even have a VHS uh, a player at the time. Yeah, you know, I think I got our, we got our VHS player around 1983, 1984, um, okay. because Ghostbusters was one of the first movies I had on VHS. Well, that, that's that's, cool. and I mean that's phenomenal right there, um, but the uh, you know, so like I would have to be going by things in like the storybook if I was trying to, mm. you know, come up with a replica of something or, you know, because you went, you saw the movie, uh, you know, I think I saw Empire twice. I saw it once in a regular theater and once in a drive-in. And then that was it. Then I had the storybook and that was how mm. I, you know, and then the toys and that was Empire Strikes Back for me. You know, it was trying wow. to make stop motion movies with my Tauntaun Kenner figure. It mm. was, you know, taking my ad ad out into the snow when it snowed in New York and, yeah. you know, try and setting things up and then finding a rebel soldier in the middle of the lawn, because somehow I must've forgot him in the snow. And when it thawed out there, he was, you know, yeah. six months later or something. Um, wow. You know, it, it's mm. just, that's, that's all we had. And it's so strange to think about that now because you know, we're doing all the research on our, our projects and things like that. It's like, okay, you know, we'll get a 4K of the movie. We'll pause it anywhere we want. We'll zoom. We have access to all these amazing behind-the-scenes images through Lucasfilm and all of that stuff. We get to go to the ranch and, and examine the real props and all of this stuff. And I'm like, wow. I remember when VHS first came out, pausing the VHS and sketching a proton pack because I wanted to build one, you know? Wow. And so I would like pause it and you couldn't leave a pause too long because it would break the tape. Like it would, you know, you'd get dropouts in the tape if you, if you held it too long. So I'd always like, I'd do it and I'd like look at the clock. I'm like, okay, I have three minutes and I'd sketch, 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 you know, and, and try wow. and figure out what to make stuff out of. And it's just kids today will never know. 
That's so cool. Oh my god. Well, since you bring that up, Tom. Yeah. Okay, Zach, you probably will never see commercials like this. What's a so, commercial? <laughs> Sorry. These Sorry. these commercials. Uh... No, no. Okay. So did, when Tom, when you started, did, when they sold us our toys. Yes. Remember these commercials? They would have them playing in this big area. They would have like everything on nice and neat and everything. Yeah. And it was like that made you want to go buy the toy and do the same thing. Yeah. Or it'd be like in this great like set with little mountains and sand yes. and everything. Mm. Uh, and it's just like, you know, they're, they're playing in this miniature version of, you know, Tunisia or whatever. It's like, how? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Love that stuff. Wow. Um, yeah. We, we constantly refer back to those too. You know, it's like nice. Rob at the shop every once in a while, I'll just hear him go like, surprise, surprise, Lando in disguise. And that's <laughs> from one of the old Kenner commercials, you know, or, oh, or if somebody says Wampa, they always have to go Wampa, 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 you know, cause, cause the kid in that commercial yeah. for whatever reason thought Wampa's mm. said Wampa <laughs> because <laughs> it was like Pikachu. What is going yeah. on here? <laughs> See, I'm hip. I know things. That's good. And <laughs> Pokemon was a little before my time, even. I hate to say yeah. that. But... Oh, dang, oh. dude, for real. You're, that was, what, 94? I don't know. Sorry. Sorry. I'll try. To, I'll shut up. But no, I appreciate that. That's awesome. So I got a story for you guys. So yes. I was at a convention, and uh, Larry Hama was there. And I was going to try to get an interview with him, but you know, we're busy manning the table. But I got to talk to him for a few seconds just to get his contact info to do an interview like this. And um, while we were talking, he saw, you know, my, well, I don't have it right now, but I have a Star Wars stuff podcast one. And he's like, I was like, so when was the first time you saw Star Wars? He's like, man, he's, I remember this. He's like him, Neil Adams, Chris Claremont, all stood in line to go watch it when it first came out and they That's watched amazing. it together. Yeah. And he was like, when we went, we were just amazed seeing, you know, the ship the destroyer coming yeah. over and he said it, we all geeked out and i was like to hear that story from larry hama who didn't turn around later and creates gi joe figures for us kids yeah it was just so amazing hearing that story from him and that's the thing you're pretty much doing almost what larry does the difference is is bigger scale yeah <laughs> you know recreating the toys that we had as kids but yeah and, for us as adults there's it's so funny because like you talk to anyone who's in any kind of creative industry that especially, I mean, if they're on the, the nerdy side of things, um, <laughs> uh, there is literally before and after star Wars, it is a, mm -hmm. it is a divider in time. And, you know, you can't go back to before that it doesn't, the before doesn't exist anymore. It's like, as soon as star Wars happens, it's like, well, that's it. Everything's different now. And yeah, mm -hmm. for us, I don't know, you know, how much of this is us trying to uh, to to find our way back to that playground, try to find our way back to that little sand pit with the rocks and, you know, the dewback wiggling his tail and moving his head and stuff like that. You know, the for me, owning props, replica or even the real one, are about that connection to the movie. It's about, you know, more so than toys, more so than than paintings and pictures and autographs and everything it's it's like feeling like you're surrounded by the things that made the movie mm. and feeling like you could be walking out onto that set maybe or feeling like 
you know, at any minute, Dennis Murin might come in and say like, all right, we got to take this model and shoot it, you know? Um, And I I feel like, you know, especially when you get a a screen use prop that is a one of a kind is something that was, you know, which, which doesn't always happen. There's usually multiples, but sometimes you can screen match something and say like, for sure, this is the one used in this particular scene. Yeah. Um, to be around something like that, not even to own it, but just to be around it. It's like energy and magic. And, you know, it's like being around a celebrity, you know, the, one of the first times I went to the um, Skywalker ranch archives, um, I mean, top, top of my list. There's only a handful of things. I, I went in like, whatever I see, this is going to be the greatest time in my entire life. You know, like no matter what I am good. However, Ooh, if I could see that Wampa puppet, like that was mm. so high on my list. The other one that was high on my list was Walrus Man's head because I knew yeah. they had that. Um, they don't have any of the other Cantina stuff. A lot of that stayed with Stuart Freeborn or other people that worked on the movies. Um, Walrus Man came back for uh, Return of the Jedi. He's in the background of Jabba's Palace, um, and so they must have held on to it after the movie for whatever reason. And um, unfortunately at the time walrus man was on a on a tour i think he was like in japan or something like that so i didn't get to see him that trip and i was so disappointed by that but i did get to see that wampa and that the so this is phil tippett's puppet wampa and it it like like i said it felt like i was seeing a celebrity it gave me goosebumps to see this thing and to be close to it and it's you know and it still does every time we go there it's just nuts um wow and uh oh gosh sorry i just oh. looked at the next question yeah here we go <laughs> tim seitz was asking were you invited or did you break in like fanboys no comment no yeah uh, we, <laughs> we were we were very much invited uh, i feel very fortunate for that um yeah. i i don't think I, I i think the movie exaggerates the you know uh the level of ease in in the break-in it's it would be a very hard thing to actually do that's um, crazy but it's um, it's it's definitely a nice place to be invited. I will say that, and I, I feel um, I'm really happy that you know. So uh, uh, we had been a lot prior to even starting Regal Robot, but I'm very glad that once we started Regal Robot, that you know we were able to kind of build on that relationship with them mm-hmm. and to get all of the approvals we needed from uh, Lucasfilm and Disney to you know really go in and investigate and, you know, um, research that ever 11, you know, stuff out of these things. Um, and you know, that means we're measuring things, we're color matching things, we're bringing in hair samples and comparing them on stuff. We're doing laser scans of things so that we've got high resolution copies of them. It's, you know, uh, from the most low tech to high tech, in terms of research, we've done it all. And it's, um, it allows us to make what we're doing with Regal Robot that much mm. more authentic and faithful, I guess is a yeah. good word for it. Man, that's incredible. Can you uh, share a little bit more on that, Tom, on what the process is like to go to Skywalker Ranch and get into that archive area? And like, I don't yeah. know, do they make you take everything out of your pockets? Like, you have to put on special <laughs> shoes? Do you have to wear gloves? That was only the first time. Yeah, after that, that <laughs> I mean, so yes, you do have to wear gloves if you're going to be handling anything. Okay. Uh, generally speaking, you're not handling things, though. You know, they have sure. um, 
uh, archives team that, you know, kind of they're in charge of moving things and they're in charge of things, you know, so we try to, uh, we try to keep hands off as much as possible. It's museum protocols. Yeah, um, yeah. But there are times where you do have to get in and, and do that. And and the fact that we have, you know, this prior relationship with them where we've done restoring and things like that, they know we're respectful of this material. They know we know how to handle it. And yeah. that, you know, we're not going to put anything at risk in what we're doing. Um, and, and it's one of the things I really like about, you know, the ability to 3D scan stuff. Um, you know, back in the day, and, and I'm not even talking far back in the day, the only option you had was to make a mold of something if you wanted to get a direct copy of it. Hmm. And that was the way to have lineage back to the original. Well, you know, most of these things wouldn't survive being molded. You would yeah. put them in, you know, silicone or plaster or whatever you're doing, and you'd destroy the original taking it out of the mold just to be able to make your copy. Um, but now it's, you know, you, you can make almost a hands-off mold of this thing digitally. Wow. You can get, you know, within fractions of a millimeter accuracy on these scans, every little wrinkle and wart and pimple and bump and all of that stuff. Um, and it's it's been an, an incredible tool for us. And it's something that, you know, uh, we we really dove into, especially when the 3D printers got high enough resolution to output those things at mm. full resolution, which was the, the hang up for the longest time. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really nice that that balance has kind of shifted to where, you know, you can scan stuff at a high resolution, you can output things at a high resolution and you can, uh, and then from there we can make molds and cast and make duplications and things like that as needed for a production run. Um, but, uh, you know, in terms of getting in there, um, so yeah, there's no, uh, 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 thankfully no, no crazy searches or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> They don't have this wearing like transparent outfits. Thank goodness. No one needs to see that, uh, <laughs> you know, but you do, you have to be invited on property. You have to have a business reason to be there. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you, if you're lucky and you're, you're there for uh, an extended amount of time, uh, there's actually an inn on, uh, on Skywalker ranch property where uh, we stay when we're working there for a few days, um, wow. which is, Whoa. is really amazing and, and awesome on it in its own right um yeah it's, it's definitely beautiful and peaceful and inspiring and and honestly you know george's whole point in making that was he wanted a place to make movies in a new way right he mm -hmm. wanted his place to to be inspired and to write into art direct and and you know come up with the ideas for things and holy hell did he succeed it's yeah. you, know, you go there and you're just on the just walking on property, you're like instantly inspired. Hmm. Um, and and then you know, to be able to go into the archives, uh, it's you know, it's something that shifts a little over time, it ebbs and flows a little bit sometimes, depending on what they're working on. It, it's and depending on the licensee and and you know what your relationship is like there sometimes it's okay you're gonna give us a list of things to see and you're gonna go in a plain white room and we're gonna bring you just those things and other times you know I, I uh, especially back in the old days it was very loose and you could go and walk around and and you know look till your heart's content at stuff which my heart would never be content there was just For always sure. something to see oh yes and I, I will say no matter how many times we've been, Every single time we are spotting multiple new things that we didn't even know were there or didn't know wow. still existed or learning, you know, some insane fact 
about some prop that we never thought of in a million years. And, uh, and, and it's just, it, it's much like the movies. It keeps on. Yeah. Giving. Oh, incredible. So we got a question from one of our fans here for you. Oh. So, so is this the, like, you know, the archives is on fire and you have to grab one thing and run question, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for our listeners, I'll read it for you guys. Uh, Tim Seitz was saying, do you have a favorite prop slash replica slash memorabilia item in the archives? Oh, okay. So, so my top two that I mentioned before being the, uh, the Wampa puppet, and the walrus man head, which thankfully did come back to the archive some years later. And I've gotten to see him on numerous trips now and, and examine and scan and all that fun stuff. Very cool. Um, the, those two are very, very high on my list. Nice. Um, let's see. Gosh, the, <laughs> if for some reason those were inaccessible, and this is going to be the dumbest thing in the world because it's probably like, you know, Definitely not the most valuable thing there, but they have the head of a gerba, which is a pack animal that sits outside the cantina next to the yeah. back. Yeah. You barely see him on screen. He's got this big dopey dog face. Um, and it was made by Fred Pearl, the same guy who made the dewback. And I'm obsessed with the dewback, by the way. Um, but awesome. um the so that gerba head is still there and the first time i went on on a tour of the archives they they walked us through the whole thing and the head of the archives was with us at the time and she's an amazing woman and we go through the whole thing and at the very end she's like okay here's our contest that we ask everybody on their first tour and you know and nobody has ever gotten it yet and she starts pointing and i'm like oh my god you have the gerba and she's like how did you even know that you know it's like yeah. I, like i'm i'm slightly obsessed but uh but yeah that that is one of those things that is so connected to the first film for me and that is there's there's a specialness to that where you have something like oh well you know they really it it just oh you know what it's funny because they actually reused that prop the reason it's in the archives uh, is because they took that gerba and a tauntaun head and they put them on the wall next to Han Solo and Carbonite in Jabba's palace sure. as trophy okay. nails. And oh. so that would be why they kept that all these years because they must have brought it back. Uh, they must have you know gotten it or kept it around and put it up in Jabba's palace and luckily brought it back and it still exists today. So yeah, that's oh. a that's a pretty cool piece. Man, that's that's incredible. So you must watch the Industrial Light and Magic documentary and go, oh, I've seen that. Oh, I've seen that. Oh, I wish I've seen that. But yeah, I. It's funny. We, uh, my my wife gets mad. I've uh, got because uh, I think that that. So depending on the on the documentary, like the old documentaries, yeah, I love seeing stuff and figuring out, like, oh yeah, yeah we saw that or. Like sometimes there's something in the documentary in the background and you never knew what it was. But then once you see it in the archives, you're like, oh, that's, you know, sure. Yodel's head or whatever, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, I remember watching the the Light and Magic documentary and, my, and John Berg has just become a great friend to me over the, the mm. last decade or so. Um, and uh, and he's just he's really special guy. Very, very sweet. Uh, my wife absolutely loves him, uh, and he loves her. And our, our uh, we, um, you know, just yeah, lucky to have him in our lives. And uh, yeah, he wasn't in that. 
And she was mm. beside herself that they did not ask him in that, you know, and, and he felt like, oh, well, other people were more important. The whole ILM thing. I was just kind of there. <laughs> but, but she was just like, where's John? You know, yeah. But we're watching and it's like, you know, oh, yeah, there's so and so. I just was at his house. Oh, there's so and so. We had dinner the other day. Oh, there's so and so. We went to his studio and, you know, we're seeing all these people. And it's so it's like, yeah, it's the props, but then the people and, mm. you know, Getting to know those guys and and girls is you, the the craziest part of all of this, and and um, you know to be able to talk shop with them and, and stuff. Uh, if if people go to um, you know, so there's the Regal Robot YouTube page. There's also Tom Spina Designs on YouTube. One word. Um, I've got uh, on on that page. I've got the long form interviews that I've done with a lot of these folks. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's ones with, you know, John Berg and Dennis Muren and Phil Tippett. There's um, ones with Ken Ralston, Dave Carson, mm-hmm. uh, Judy Elkins, Jeannie Lauren um, and and Chris Wayless There's a great one with Chris Wayless. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, if you want to see these these folks in a really relaxed setting just kind of talking off the cuff and not giving you sound bites in a very produced documentary. Um, mm. It's a good way to get a sense of who they are and what they're into. And I, I mm. you know, I, I like to think that I ask different kind of questions than they would get in something for the masses. This is, you know, it's a lot of shop talk and it's a lot of, yeah. you know, what was your process? What was your reasoning? What was behind that? You know, mm. and, and I love, love sitting down with these folks and hearing their stories. Well, Man, we love the stories incredible. you're giving us as well. Yeah, right? I could do this for hours. This is incredible. <laughs> Man, the things I've learned today. Holy cow. I know. We're, we're already going almost in an hour. We're 52 minutes in. And yeah, we haven't even gotten to a lot of the stuff that we want to talk to you about. But it's just. That's okay. Been, yeah, okay. I mean, everything we're I'll getting from you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. everything you're telling us is, I mean, I'm just like taking everything in and just listening to you. Oh. Because. Okay, growing up as a kid, like you said, you know, you had these books, and that's the closest we got at that time because we didn't have the yeah. internet, we didn't have any of that. So when you saw the, you know, the props and everything, and to me, I wish we could go back to half props, half CGI, yeah. because to me, even though there were a lot of props, because if you think about it, okay, going into it a lot of the backgrounds for the troopers and in, in like return of the Jedi and star Wars are actual paintings that people right. really know. And yeah. they look so lifelike. You think they're actually yeah. backgrounds, you know what I mean? So just you getting to see all that stuff. I'm so like, wow. I, yeah. I'm jealous of myself hearing you talk about it like that. <laughs> no, I, I never lose sight. And, and, you know, Rob at the studio, Rob G. Nicola is our creative director. He and I, uh, you know, uh, on the Regal robot side of things are, you know, we're the ones that set the course in terms of what products we're going to be making and, and all mm-hmm. of our development and stuff. And we, we tend to go to a lot of these archives trips together. Um, and, and uh, every time we go, we're like, it doesn't get old. It doesn't feel less special. It doesn't feel like, we're any less fortunate, you know, every time we go, we're like, we, we're the luckiest freaking kids in the, in the world. You know, this yeah. is, this is every star Wars kids dream 
is to go up to the gates of Skywalker Ranch and tell them your name and have them go like, okay, come on in. You know, it's like oh. every time we go, we're sure. We're like, oh, this is going to be the time <laughs> they figure it out, right? They're going to like, yeah. what, what was that? Spina, son of a, we didn't know that was you. Get out of here, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, Man. with you, you know, okay. You getting back to me for this podcast, like you stated, you know, you group of friends doing the restorations of the stuff and collecting Star Wars. This is basically what we were um, yeah. because of David, who are founder of Star Wars a podcast, one of them. And then James, you know, bought us together as a team for everything that we loved and getting to talk to about Star Wars the way we love Star Wars. Us getting to meet you. I feel the way you felt with Tippett because you are a part of Star Wars that we grew up watching and you're restoring what we love and then not just doing that, creating things as us collectors can come out and buy and add mm. to our collection. So it's so cool that we're getting to talk to you today and you taking the time to come talk to us about this stuff. It's, it's awfully it's, kind I, of you, man. Thank you. No, I mean, seriously, man, I just, when you responded back to me, I was like, no way. He actually got back to me. I was like, <laughs> because you know, there's some people they'll be like, uh, yeah, they just blow you off. You know what yeah. I mean? But yeah. you actually taking the time and do everything like this. And then, you know, especially this time at night, you know, coming on yeah. the interview with us, <laughs> you know, you didn't have to do any of that. Yeah. But we appreciate you taking the time to do all this as well. It's yeah, very much chatting. so. Thanks, man. No, it's it's so fun chatting this stuff through and, and uh, you know, making new friends. And, and like, I mean, this is, uh, it's funny. So, because we have this new release coming up on the 20th, this is actually my fourth podcast in four days. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, all wow. at like 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> so, and then I've still got, I think, I think I've got four or five more before next Tuesday still. So wow. it's going to be a busy week. Mm. But, you know, still having fun, right? It's yeah, like we're yeah, sitting great. around talking Star Wars. I could be digging yeah. ditches or climbing a pole or, you know, <laughs> doing something, doing work, you know, like this yeah. is, um, mm. but uh, to, to be able to, to go into the shop every day and do stuff we love and to be, you know, working on original props from all of these different movies, not just Star Wars, but Gremlins and, you know, um, oh gosh, now I'm, I'm starting to blank on all the different movies that are in there in the studio right now. But um you know, Terminator stuff. And yeah. um, I, you just go through the Tom Spina Designs website. There's just, I mean, you basically pick your favorite movie and search it on the search bar. And we probably worked on something over the last couple of decades. And it's, it's just nuts. You go in and it's like, oh, wow, that's an Arnold Schwarzenegger costume from the movie right there in front of me. That's amazing. Or this is mm -hmm. from the Deadpool uh, movie, or this is from, you know, uh, some Marvel movie, or this is from uh, Star Wars. It's like, yeah. It's insane. And, you know, it's like, how do you not smile when you go in? And then to look around at everybody making regal stuff. And it's just like tables. Right now we go in the back and there's tables of people making these Rancor maquettes that are just starting to go into production. And, you know, we had five of these Wampas going into production so we could do our, our samples and our reviewer copies and things like that. Um, and, and it's just like, it's it's wow. the best thing in the world. You know? Yeah. Again, guys, yeah. this is what will be coming out. This is a photo oh, yeah. of the upcoming. So there's going to yeah. be just some other items that you're going to be releasing later on too as well, right? That's true. Yeah. So we've got the, the Wampa Puppet comes out on the 20th. There are two editions. One has a signature from Phil Tippett and one has a, a, a hand-drawn sketch from Phil 
with every copy that you get in what we call our legacy edition. Um, And then in March, we have another Indiana Jones prop coming, a a 40th anniversary of Temple of Doom prop. I can't say more than that yet. End of March, middle, middle to end, we have another Return of the Jedi maquette coming out. And what those are, much like the Max Rebo, these are the actual concept sculptures for the different characters. We've got a whole line of them that have been going, and it, it basically uh, we you know gives people the first draft of what this character was going to be. And these yeah. are you know priceless artifacts in the in the archives. And I I really really love offering those to folks. Um, and then yeah, going in later in the year, we have another couple of prop replicas coming out. We have a couple of busts and things going. And uh, uh, yeah, there's there's. Plenty on the way. We have a very full schedule for the rest of the year. And anybody who wants to find out more about it, go to regalrobot.com, follow at regalrobot on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, wherever. Uh, And if you are on Facebook, uh, look up the Regal Robot Fan and Collector Showcase. That is our Facebook group. It's a really, really fun group of collectors that, that are like big collectors of our stuff. And there's a lot of fun conversation. And Rob and I are very active there. We try to make sure that we're showing a lot of behind the scenes photos. And anytime we're going to do a first look on, you know, like on, on either the Regal website or in an email or anything like that, I always try and put it up in the group a, a few hours or even a day earlier so that, you know, our group members get to see it. Mm. There's about 2,500 people now. It's, it's a lot of fun. There's contests. Um, so, yeah, please look wow. that up and join us there. Yeah, we'll share the link on that when we post the video as well. Thank you. We'll add that on there as well for people to come and find your page and yeah. join it as well. Because, I mean, to get new stuff, that's what we do too. So anytime you drop stuff, we tend to share it on our page as well. Thank you. Um, you know, because we just don't do interviews. We do, you know, our random talks. We do comic reviews. Um because we yeah. just love Star Wars. We can't get enough Star Wars, pretty much. That's pretty much it. At the end of the day, we're this, we're a very small company. You know, there's there's like you know, maybe 20 people working on a day-to-day basis in our New York wow. studio and a handful mm-hmm. of people around the country that are freelance that we bring in for overflow. Um, and you know, that is even split between the two companies, and then there's within that, there's office staff and you know, artist staff. So, you know, sometimes we'll be doing a maquette run and there's like three people that are painting all of them, you know, in a run of wow. hundred or 150 pieces or something like that. Um, so, you know, we're, we're as such a small company, it's like every time someone shares what we do, it's a benefit to us. Every time somebody, you know, uh, like, look, uh, any, obviously anytime someone buys something from us, that's fantastic. But like if you just like what you see, even if it's not something for you to buy, yeah, share it with your friends and say like, hey, look at this, is this cool? You know, and mm-hmm. maybe they'll share it. And and you know, we're, uh, uh, we're it's it's always nice to to bring new folks in and and share what we're doing with people. It's you know, uh, and and to me, the ultimate is when it comes back around and you get someone that's like, oh yeah, I heard you on such such podcast, and then I went and then I bought it, and here's a picture of it in my home, hanging on my wall or in my collection. Like we, we love, we see customer picks all the time. And that fan group is great for that. And it's like, there is just nothing better than, than like having put sweat and tears and energy into making something and then having it in someone's house and loved and appreciated. Mm. Like as an artist, yeah. you're just like, there's, there's literally nothing better than that. 
man, that's awesome. That's really, really cool. Well, like I said, we did definitely take, you know, thank you again for coming on and hope awesome. to have you back and talk more cool stuff that you're working on. If you got any other stuff that you want to drop, you know, let us know. We're always willing cool. to bring you back an open on invite it. with us for yeah. sure. <laughs> thank you very much. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. I hope, I hope people like listen to, listen to the stories and, and uh, yeah. Thanks again for that. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, right, absolutely. Anything else, uh, Zach? I think I'm all set. I'll, uh, I'll close this out here. So for, uh, for Tom retro Ray, my name is Zach and may the force be with you. Always. <laughs>